Amen. You may be seated. I am going to continue in our series that we've been doing on prayers from the Bible. Amen. It's kind of a unique topic for tonight. So often when we think about prayers, we think about uh, things that we're asking for or things that we need or things that we want. And uh, we're often really self-centered in our prayers. Can I get an amen? Amen. But this is a different kind of prayer. Tonight we're going to talk about a prayer of forgiveness. Prayer of forgiveness. It's found in the book of Acts, the seventh chapter. And it is Stephen who was martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll pick up in verse 54 of chapter 7. It says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. I've read that a bunch of different times. I meant to go look up the Greek on that this afternoon. It slipped my mind. But I, they gnashed on him with their teeth. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it ain't comfortable, folks. Amen. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open to the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, This is Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Lay not this sin to their charge. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for the word of God that's been read in our hearing tonight. And I'm asking, Lord, the next 20, 30, 40 minutes, you'd allow it to settle into our hearts and touch us and change us, Lord. I'm asking, God, you let the word of God mold us and make us into what you'd have us to be. In the precious name of Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. It is possible that forgiveness, both to receive it and to give it, is one of the greatest needs in our culture today. But forgiveness is one of those things that, while it's an easy thing to receive and it's an easy thing to think you should receive, it's not always an easy thing to give. Amen. There's what? Oh, what's it say? Sound to me like they chewed on him. I don't, again, I don't know what that looks like, but it can't be comfortable. Amen. So when you've been wronged or when you've been spitefully used or somebody's taken advantage of you or 
or they've just flat out attacked you for no reason. Amen. It's hard in those instances. Forgiveness is easy to ask for when you've done something wrong. But when somebody has wounded you, when somebody has hurt you, we, we tend to want retribution. We tend to want vengeance, if you will. It's not that we can't forgive. It's just that sometimes, Brother Donnie, we want to see them suffer a little bit before we forgive them. Amen. Sometimes we, we just, I, I know I'm not the only one in here that's human. But what we fail to understand is that that attitude does more harm to us than it does to them. Your anger doesn't harm the individual that you're angry with. It harms you. Amen? Medical science has long since discovered and recognized the harmful effects of holding on to anger and resentment. An article written by the Mayo Clinic says this, if you don't practice forgiveness, you might be the one who pays the most dearly. By embracing forgiveness, you can also embrace peace, hope, gratitude, and joy. And forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, less stress, and less hostility. This isn't a preacher talking. This is the Mayo Clinic. Amen? They said forgiving someone can lower your blood pressure. It can alleviate the symptoms of depression. It can boost your immune system. It can improve your heart's health, and it can give you a higher self-esteem. That's the word of the doctor, amen? What medical science learned from years of study is a principle that's espoused in the very word of God. The scripture said that in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance belongs to God. What that tells me is if vengeance is due, God will take care of it. Amen. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need me to tell him how to do it. He doesn't need me to stand by and make sure it happens. It's his business. Amen. And he'll handle it. Uh, because, listen to me, you're not equipped to handle vengeance. That's God's business. You weren't made to handle. You know, there's some things you just weren't equipped to handle. Amen? Some things you just weren't made to handle. Some things you, the scripture doesn't say flee from youthful lust in vain. Amen. There's a reason why it says that. Because you may think you can control it. You may think you've got a handle on it. You may think you're spiritual enough. But honey, you're not. Amen. You weren't made to compete with that. You weren't made to over. The scripture doesn't say stand and fight it. The scripture doesn't say resist it. The scripture said pack your bags, honey, and run. Get away from it. Because you weren't made to deal with that. You weren't made to overcome that. It's not in you. Such as it is with vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. And when you take a hold of vengeance, you get a hold of something that your spirit is not equipped to handle. Amen. You get a hold of something that you're not equipped to, to deal with. And if you're not careful, your vengeance will kill you. Amen. Forgiveness, however will bring you peace. It delivers you from all of those negative things.
But forgiveness can be a hard thing to embrace. We've all been there. When you've been wronged, and not just a small thing, but you've been deeply, deeply wounded and hurt, it can be a hard thing to let it go in your heart. That's why Stephen's prayer is so important to us. Because Stephen was a man just like you and me. And Stephen forgave the people who were stoning him to death. Even as they were doing the act. If he can do that. If he can pray for forgiveness to the people who are taking his life. Then we can pray for and forgive those who have wronged us. Amen? One aspect of human life is that it includes the experience of both good things and bad things. Good things are going to happen to you, and bad things are going to happen to you. All humans experience pain and suffering at times because it's a part of the human condition. Amen? And all people experience joy and pleasure and satisfaction at times because both pain and pleasure are components of life. The circumstances of life are, are without respect to persons. Amen? God doesn't reserve the good for those that are righteous and the bad for those that are unrighteous. Every man is subject to the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, all of the nuances of life. That's the human condition. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 2 says, All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor riches to men of understanding nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. The explicit statement of Scripture is that all things happen to all men. Amen. The human condition such as it is, is something that we all share in. That means that sometimes bad things are going to happen to good people. Amen. And that means that sometimes good things are going to happen to bad people. And you can't sit back and judge God because we live in a fallen world. We're living in a sin-stricken world, a world that's in a state of dying without God. And everything around us is corrupted by sin. And that nature, that that condition that we live in is going to take part in, to some degree, the time and chance that happens to every man. Amen? It hurts when it happens. Sometime in your life, you're, you're going to experience the highs and the lows. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 15 says, 
all things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There's a just man that perisheth in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem to make sense. But that's the nature of the human condition. Sometimes you're going to encounter trouble and trial. And somewhere along the way, friend, you're going to be hurt. Uh, at some point in your life, you're going to suffer a wound in the house of a friend. Uh, somebody you trusted, uh, somebody you had faith in uh, is going to wound you deeply. Uh, and it hurts when that happens. Uh, but such is the reality of living in a fallen world. What matters is not if you're ever hurt. What matters is how you react to the pain. What do you do when someone slanders you? What do you do when a brother wounds you? What do you do when you're blindsided by some grievous injustice that you do not deserve? In that moment, you must remember the cross you don't deserve mercy you never deserved mercy you were never worthy of his forgiveness but the Lord God of heaven bore your sins to an old rugged cross amen where he suffered and he died for you great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh and he came for one reason he came to pay a price for a debt he didn't know he came to die for me amen Jesus established the ideal model for forgiveness. You think I'm calling you to follow Stephen's example, but I'm only calling you to follow the example that Stephen saw in his own life. Jesus Christ, when he was hanging on the cross, as he was taking his last breaths, forgave those who were in the process of crucifying. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You want to know where Stephen learned how to forgive? He learned it at the cross. You want to know where Stephen learned how to let it go, how to, how to open up and just release it uh, into the hands of God. Uh, he learned it at the cross. Uh, when you've been hurt, uh, listen to me, when you've been wounded, uh, when you've been mistreated, uh, when you feel bitterness closing in on you, when you feel like the whole world is against you, you need to get as close to the cross as you can get uh, because the cross changes your perspective. Uh, the cross changes the way you see things. Uh, when you get close to the cross. Uh, forgiveness takes on a different light. Uh, amen. When you're away from the cross, uh, it's easy to let vengeance get in your heart. It's easy to let bitterness take up root uh, and let it rob from you your joy and your peace uh, and the comfort of serving the Lord. But when you get close to the cross uh, and you see the price that was paid, uh, you see the blood that was shed, uh, you see the ultimate sacrifice uh, that was made, uh, it changes your perspective of forgiveness. When Jesus prayed his prayer of forgiveness from the cross, he set the standard for every believer. When you look at the hurts that he endured, 
in light of the cross. Listen, he didn't even deserve it. They falsely accused him. They lied on him. He who never done any harm. His, his worst crime was healing the sick on the Sabbath day. And he said, I am the temple. I am the Sabbath. I can do whatever I want to do. Amen. You you don't even understand who I am. That was the worst charge they could bring. He claimed to be God. Well, guess what, honey? He was God. Amen. He had the right to say before Abraham was, I am. And Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it because he was God Almighty. Amen. But he was wrongly accused. And he carried the weight of sins he did not commit. He carried the guilt, the condemnation. That's why the scripture can say there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Because he carried my condemnation to an old rugged cross. Amen. He didn't deserve it. But when he lifted his voice to heaven and cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. He was feeling the weight of the sins of the whole world on his shoulders. He didn't deserve it. Amen. He didn't earn it. He didn't do anything to bear it. But he took upon himself the pain, the suffering of the cross, the agony. How trivial are my wounds. When I look at the cross, how small are the things that I allow to fester in my spirit when I really look at the cross, when I really consider, amen, what he has done and the price he has paid. And then the small, trivial things I hold against my brother and my sister. Amen. When I draw near to the cross, uh, it changes my perspective. Uh, He suffered so much, uh, yet he freely forgives. Uh, Not just the Romans who nailed him there. Not just the witnesses uh, who falsely accused him. Not just the multitude who cried, crucify him. Give us Barabbas uh, and crucify him him. That's not all he forgave. He forgave me. He took my sins to that cross and I didn't deserve it. Who am I to try to lay a hold of vengeance? Who am I to try to hold over somebody else's head what they've done to me? I can tell you this. Stephen lived close to the cross. I know this because when he died He died with the cross in view. He died with the example of Jesus Christ in his mind. And he forgave those who were responsible for his death, even as they were killing him. Stephen didn't deserve it. The angry mob that tried to stone him or did stone him, they they did so because he dared to believe and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jewish audiences cried out at Stephen. They closed their ear to his message. They ran together against him in violence. They threw him out of the city. They stoned him to death. And all this they did against Stephen simply because he told them the truth. 
and they didn't want to hear it. They chose to eliminate the source of their conviction and discomfort rather than deal with the truth. I could just stop right there and preach for a little while. I've seen a whole lot of people decide that rather than change what I'm convicted over, I'm just going to get out of the environment that convicts me. Rather than make the adjustment uh, that I feel that conviction of the Holy Ghost that's speaking to me. Rather than uh, taking the time to get right with God, uh, I'm just going to quit coming to church because that way I don't have to deal. It just remove the voice. Just remove the voice that's causing the conviction and the discomfort. That's what they were doing. They were not seeking forgiveness. They were seeking his life. They intended to kill him. But that didn't stop Stephen from forgiving them. As they stoned him, he cried out to God and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Perhaps the greatest measure of forgiveness is that which is given towards those who do not deserve it. Jesus Christ displayed the greatest measure of love. John would say, greater love hath no man than this. That he laid down his life for a friend. The greatest expression of the love of God is when you forgive what doesn't deserve to be forgiven. The greatest expression of the love of God is when you show the same kind of mercy that you found at the cross. That forgiveness that you give towards those who have intentionally hurt you or attempted to destroy you, that's whenever you really demonstrate the love of God working in your life. It's never easy for our flesh to humble itself to forgive others who have hurt our feelings or who have disappointed us or, 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 or have, have done some wrong to us. But when you stand next to the cross, uh, when you look upon uh, that suffering Savior, uh, when you see the blood that flowed from His side, uh, amen, when you see the nails in His hands, uh, the scars, the, 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 the whip, whip prints across his back and the crown of thorns on his head. Uh, amen. What are my minor, petty, hurt feelings next to the cross? Forgiveness will never come natural to your flesh. It'll never come natural. You, it's not something that you're prone to do. You're prone to hold grudges. You're prone to want vengeance. You're prone to seek out restitution. Listen, if you don't get anything else I'm going to say tonight, get this. Forgiveness is a chosen response. You have to choose it. You have to, for, for no other reason than the cross. You don't need any other justification. You don't have to, you know, sometimes we try to, well, they, we try to reason it out and say, well, you know, they, they really didn't know what they were doing. You don't need any justification. The cross is all you need. Amen. Forgiveness is a chosen response. It's a cross-oriented response. But you have to choose to forgive. 
And did you know that choosing to forgive is critical to your own salvation? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, listen, honey, this is serious business. Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is based on a covenant that I have with God. If I forgive others, He's promised to forgive me. Amen. Not not because I earn his forgiveness, uh, but because I demonstrate the grace of God uh, in my life. If I'm going to hold a grudge, uh, it's going to kill me spiritually. But if I open my heart and forgive, uh, it opens the door for forgiveness uh, to flow into my life. Uh, amen. If I refuse to forgive others, the scripture said, God will refuse to forgive me. I have to forgive. Some years ago, a murderer was sentenced to death. Frontier days of this country, that murderer had a brother who had done some great deed for the state. The state was deeply indebted to him for his former service. And that brother went to the governor of the state. I'm calling in my marker. You hold me. I want a pardon for my brother. The pardon was granted, written out by the governor and given to the man. The man went to the prison where his brother was incarcerated with the pardon in his pocket. And he went and talked to his brother and he asked him this question. He said, what would you do if you received a pardon and we're able to walk out of this prison. And the brother said, the first thing I'd do is go track down that judge who sentenced me, and I'll kill him. And the next thing I'm going to do is go track down that man uh, who told on me, the witness uh, that testified at my trial, and I'll kill him. And the brother got up with the pardon still in his pocket and walked out of the prison because you have to forgive in order to be forgiven. You have to be willing to let things go in order to let our forgiveness flow into your heart. Without repentance, there can be no pardon. Not only must you forgive, but, and I've already touched on this, but I want to revisit it again briefly. You also have to relinquish your right to revenge. You have to relinquish your hold on vengeance. Romans chapter 12, I was wrong, Dennis, it's 19. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says, I'm going to get in just a minute. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, the Hebrew writer says, for we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, and I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his 
people. I've already said it once tonight, but it, it needs to be said again because it's a key component of forgiveness. Amen. You can't handle vengeance. Uh, you weren't made to deal with vengeance. Uh, it's not something you can deal with and you, it will destroy you. It will kill you. It'll poison your soul. Holding a grudge. Somebody said this. This is not a quote that's original to me and I may mess it up. But somebody said that holding a grudge is like drinking a little bit of poison every day and hoping it'll kill the person you're mad at. Gets down in your spirit. It sours your life from the inside out. It doesn't just rob you of the joy of living. It robs you of your your very spiritual state. Your very The very life-giving flow of the Holy Ghost in your life is cut off and quenched by this poison that rises up within. You ever let a helium balloon go? And then you all, we've all been there. What happens? The further it goes, the smaller it gets, right? We watch it ascend into the sky and it gradually becomes smaller and smaller. You know this, but the balloon doesn't actually get smaller. Other than possible atmospheric changes, it doesn't really change in, in dimension. But our ability to see the balloon gets less and less as it ascends into the sky. That's the way it is when you let vengeance go into the hands of God. As it ascends to God, as you get closer to the cross, the need for vengeance gets further and further away. As you get closer to the that old blood-stained tree, as you get closer to the sacrifice that was made, as you get closer to the blood that covers you, your need for vengeance gets further and further away. you got to let it go, my friend. It's God's business, and God will take care of it in his own time. Amen. It's time to let forgiveness work. It's time to let forgiveness go. It's time to let the goodness of God flow in your life again. Amen. You don't have a right to forget to vengeance. You don't have a right to retribution. It's not yours. It belongs to God. Amen. If we don't let vengeance go, our refusal to release it will rob us of everything that we're trying to withhold from the person we're angry at. In trying to withhold forgiveness from them, we'll end up costing ourselves forgiveness. Jesus tells us a very enlightening parable in Matthew chapter 18. He told the story of a king who forgave a servant of his debt, a debt that the servant could not pay. You know the story where the servant left the king and went and found a man that owed him a lesser sum. And he refused to forgive the individual that owed him a debt. Brother Donnie, when the king heard about his refusal to forgive the debt of another, the king reinstated the man's debt and delivered the servant to the authorities to be imprisoned in a debtor's prison. It was worse for him than it would have been if he'd just not ever had the debt forgiven 
in the first place. The King James Version says that he was delivered to the tormentors. I did look that word up. Amen. It means oppressive jailers. Amen. Uh, it means tormentors. That's exactly what it means. Those those men who would not just incarcerate him, but would torment him. Uh, the debtor's anger and his grudge against the one who owed him a relatively small amount of money so consumed him that he couldn't let it go. And therefore, uh, he was ultimately put into debtor's prison. Uh, it cost him everything. He lost his own forgiveness because he wouldn't forgive another. Forgiveness is the greatest gift that you can give, both to the person that has wronged you and to yourself. You need it. You need it worse than they need it. Sometimes the person you need to forgive don't even feel like they've done you wrong. But forgiveness isn't dependent on whether or not they accept it. It's something that happens in my heart. I've got to forgive. I'm not accountable for what they do, but I'm accountable for me. And I can't open up that conduit through which the grace and the glory and the power of God flows into my life any other way but by forgiveness. Amen. Forgiving others brings great inner emotional freedom to the one who forgives. You owe it to yourself to forgive. The story was told, and I say this in closing, of an experiment that involved a chimpanzee in a jar of jelly beans. The chimp loved the jelly beans, would do anything to receive the jelly beans. The trainer had used the jelly beans as a treat throughout the chimp's life, and the chimp would literally do anything he was asked to do in order to get the jelly bean. So they took a jar of jelly beans and they attached it to the floor of his cage so that it was stationary, couldn't be lifted up. And they put jelly beans in it and just left it there. And the chimp very quickly went to the jar and stuck his hand in and got a handful of jelly beans. But then he discovered once his fist was closed, he couldn't get his hand back past the neck of the jar. He was caught. And so he had to open his fist in order to extract his hand and had to let go of the jelly beans in order to get his hand out of the jar. Now this set out a sequence of events whereby the chimp would go to the jar and reach his hand in there and get a hold of those beloved jelly beans and struggle in every which way but loose and then finally let it go and pull his hand back out and look at the jar and look at his hand, you know, and then, like, I don't know what a monkey thinks, but his monkey brain was working overtime. And he'd stick that hand back down in that jar and he'd go after the whole thing again. And, and, and if you keep doing the same thing, you keep getting the same result. Amen. Somebody said that's, I believe it was Max Lucado, says the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And sooner or later, it dawns on that chimpanzee that this isn't working. And so he sticks his hand into the jar of jelly beans, but he keeps his hands open, curls his fingertips just a little bit. 
and pulls his hand back out, Brother Donnie, he gets just a few jelly beans, just a little. Not the whole handful he wanted, but just, just a little bit. But now he's solved the problem. Now he knows what to do. He can empty the jar now because now he's figured out in order to receive the blessing, you've got to keep your hand open. You can't close it. We all need forgiveness. But that chimpanzee teaches us an important lesson. He, When he opened his hand, he put himself in position to receive a blessing. We all need forgiveness. And we're not positioned to receive it until we give it. We're not positioned to receive that blessing in our lives until we open up our heart and forgive others. When we forgive others, God has promised he will forgive us. Oh, the transforming power of forgiveness. Forgiveness has the ability to salvage relationships. Forgiveness has the ability to restore hope. Forgiveness has the ability to redeem lives. And when we choose to forgive those who've committed wrongs against us, we choose peace. Peace in our spirits. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our relationships with others. And peace between us and God. It positions us to receive the forgiveness of the Lord. A clenched fist is not capable of obtaining a blessing but an open hand receives the goodness. It's time to let go of the hurt. It's time to let... Listen, if Stephen can forgive in that condition, I, I know you think you've got a really good reason to be upset. There, there are some that were molested as kids, and they've dealt with this their whole lives. They've carried that weight, and it's a burden and years and years and years and years and years later, it still torments the mind. I'll tell you how you get away from that torment. Psychology will tell you, you need to go tell your story. You need to do this, talk to whatever. I'm going to tell you how you get rid of that torment. Talking about it is not going to do it. Now, it may be therapeutic to talk about it, but that's not how you get rid of the torment. The way you get rid of the torment is to forgive the individual that doesn't deserve forgiveness because that opens up the windows of heaven and allows the grace and the mercy, the peace of God to flow into your life. Perfect love, the scripture said, casteth out all fear. That's the love of God. We don't know anything about perfect love. We're not even capable. But perfect love, that's his love. It cast out all those things you've held on to, those hurts and those wrongs. It's a prayer we all need to learn to pray. It's a prayer of forgiveness. Praying for someone else. Would you stand with me? When you pray that kind of prayer, something breaks on the inside. And it's one of those things that perhaps it's deeply personal. Perhaps it's one of those things that needs to happen behind closed doors somewhere in your own little prayer closet. But if you've carried wounds and bitterness and hurt and unanswered questions in your soul, 
listen to your pastor. You need to find a place and let forgiveness do its work. You're not hurting anybody but yourself by carrying that bitterness and that pain around. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, I love you.